Welcome to the Echo Leadership Podcast. My name is Andy Wood. I am so thrilled that you are joining us today for this conversation between Brad Lominick and myself. Brad is a fantastic leader. Actually, Brad was at the beginning of a movement called Catalyst. He eventually became the CEO or the president of that. It was a movement that reached literally tens of thousands of young leaders, and it impacted my life in the early 2000s as I was processing decisions and what kind of church I wanted to start, what I wanted to do with my life. Brad was pivotal in my journey of leadership. And over time, he's become a mentor. So we've had hundreds of hours of conversations about leadership. So you're going to feel a familiarity between the two of us. And I know it's going to help you get better as a leader. So tune your heart, get ready for a fantastic conversation between Brad Lominick and myself. I'm here today with Brad Lominick, the author of H3 Leadership and the leader of the Catalyst Movement. And Brad, I'm so grateful that you'd be willing to take the time to invest in us today. Listen, any chance to hang out with you and just see, see you and talk to you, I'm going to get better. So this is, this is more valuable for me than it is for you. Well, you know, every time I have a conversation with you, Brad, I walk away with a, a bunch of new ideas and my mind is stretched. Um, over the last decade or so, you, you know this, but you've been one of the key influencers to both the culture of Echo, uh, what we're doing with the Echo Leadership Podcast. Not only uh, have you influ- influenced a whole generation of leaders, but you've influenced me, our team, a ton. So I'm excited. Um, my first kind of recollection of hearing about Brad Lominick was in the fall, I think it was 2001. So my college roommate had gone to the, I think it was like one of the first Catalyst conferences. He comes back with this CD and it was the John Maxwell Law of the Lid. Come on. Come on, John. You remember that? That was probably like one of the first couple of years for you guys, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. That was so, in the early days at North Point. So what was, it, what was the first year that you started leading out with a Catalyst conference? Well, I was involved behind the scenes as a consultant for the first couple of years. So I was, I was consulting with Enjoy, which was John's organization. And Catalyst was one of those brands within the, the organization that I was helping. So, you know, Gabe Lyons and uh, yep. Reggie Joyner and Lanny Donahoe and Andy Stanley and John Maxwell, they were, they were all part of that initial circle. And I, again, I was, you know, sort of in the, in the shadows. Not until probably 2003, did I get way more involved? And then, you know, around 2004 is when Gabe stepped out to start what he, what is now Q conference mm-hmm. and, and lots of other things. And he was still involved as a consultant. And then I kind of stepped in to, to help lead the, you know, lead, lead the charge. I mean, the early days though, up until probably 2006 or seven, the, the catalyst team was actually doing other stuff. Like we, they were working on other conferences because we were, again, we were part of John's organization. And, you know, about six years in, we, we just had to decide, hey, let's, let's really get focused on this. This feels like something that God is stirring up and it's got a lot of potential to yeah. grow. And so we, you know, we, we solidified a team to just think this is, this is all we're going to work on. And that's, that's when we started to think expansion. That's when we started to think resources. Um, trying to really, you know, I would say like keep up with the movement mm-hmm. that God was was stirring. Because um, I, I, I would classify. I don't know if you would say this. But I would classify Catalyst as a God breathed movement. Yeah, and 
you know, when, when something's God breathed, um, just stay out of the way. I mean, yeah, it's hard to keep it up, up with it. Right. Yeah. You know, what's interesting to me is that it seems like in a lot of ways, you guys were on the front end of an entire wave. So like, I think it was like 96, 97, 98, the global leadership summit is kind of building from Willow Creek and purpose driven conference, but you took a different angle. And I think that there was like this kind of secret rule that actually wasn't a rule that you had to be like under a certain age to come to Catalyst on the front end. What was that? What was that like misunderstood rule that kind of shaped things? Yeah, under 40. You had to be you had to be 40 or under. So I could still go to Catalyst now. I've only got a few more months, but I could still go. In the first year, the first couple of years, actually, there was there was some fun like moments. There was even carding at the door, you know, which was just funny. It was just it was it was more like a, a program element. Right? Yeah, but that reputation got got really created, and pe- people still, you know, nowadays they would still say like, "Oh, I can't go to Catalyst because I'm 44." I'm like, ah, you know, we we realized pretty quick the people paying were the ones that were older. Yeah. So. You know, you, but, but that mindset, I think the mindset was let's do something for our generation. And mm-hmm. even those of us who were working on it, we felt like, we felt like we wanted to do something that our friends, we could invite our friends to. Yeah. And again, whether they were believers or not, you know, I, I think the idea of a leadership conference that was incredibly, incredibly um, well done, but also that, that had, that had a very intentional spiritual dynamic to it, mm-hmm. but yet you could go and still get value regardless of whether you follow Jesus or not. And, you know, even in the early days, we, we decided let's bring in some voices that may not necessarily be Christians, mm-hmm. not because we wanted to be rebellious. It was more because we just wanted to invite the best in the world yeah. in certain categories. Um, and, you know, I think that standard of excellence was when you talk about the, the, the wave, the idea that, that we didn't, we weren't thinking how do, we, how, do we, how do we raise our standard to be better than other Christian conferences or even church conferences. We were thinking how do we raise our standard to be as good or better than, than TED Conference or the mm-hmm. World Business Forum or the Grammys or the MTV Music Awards. And not because those things are like the ultimate, but there's a different level of expectation, you know, and we wanted to we wanted to raise our game and we didn't have the budget that the Grammys have. So we had to figure it out and be innovative, you know, and spend one one hundredth of the amount of money yeah. to be able to still create something that felt like, wow, man, this feels like something we would see on TV or something we would, you know, we would never get access to. Yeah. One of the things that I thought was really um, profound that you did, and it ended up showing up in one of Seth Godin's books, is that you re- you were able to create a tribe, and so you felt like you're a part of this movement, even as a church or a church leader who would come to these conferences. And I- I'm curious, from your perspective, that whole idea of the tribe, was that something that was just like, you, you kind of intuitively knew how to do that, or were you learning that from somewhere as a leader? I think we were all learning it, but it, it, it definitely, I mean, Seth, Seth gave it language with his book and he, he, the, the premise of tribes is people like us do things like this and they need a leader. 
So mm -hmm. there's already this galvanized group. They just need somebody to curate them and bring them together. Mm -hmm. So the premise that you've got to go do all this work to find people that he kind of changed that mindset and said, no, they're already, they're already hungry to connect. Mm -hmm. You just have to be the one that like does something to, to actually like connect them in such a way that they now know where to connect. Mm -hmm. Right. So that premise was, um, we didn't, again, we didn't have that language, but I think the idea that it was for our generation, we were our greatest customer, meaning that the product was for us. So, you know, that's not always true for every leader. Right. When it is, it allows you to really like dive deep in terms of creating something you're so passionate about that you would, you would actually attend. Right. Yeah. So we weren't creating it for our friend. We weren't creating it for like somebody else. And, and it, it forced us then to think, well, would I want to go to this? Do I like this? Would I want to connect like this? Would I want to hear that person? Would I want to do that at the break? And, and it changed our mindset of, of just having a much deeper level of, I think, commitment to, to keep going. Even once we felt like it was good, mm -hmm. we just said not good enough. That was always kind of our, our mindset was um, not good enough, not good enough. And meaning this, that, that um, we wanted to, again, we wanted to push beyond expectations and actually give people permission to see what might be possible. Mm -hmm. And I think that combination of, of pushing the boundaries, of doing something for your generation, of being your greatest customer, and, mm -hmm. and also the premise that, um, that you, you are equally as much the, the one who will be able to determine if it's working or not. That, that was pretty special, you know, and then you, yeah. then you factor in all the, all the spiritual elements, the God element, the, the God breathed movement, you know, that, that this had something so like tangible from a spiritual perspective, connecting Christian leaders that yeah. really not had, had really not come along in a while. Like, especially for the next generation, you know, like if you, if you were 28 or you were 32 or you were 36 or you were 24, um, there wasn't a lot in 2000 mm -hmm. that was available for you in that season to actually be part of. Right. And, and now yeah. like, here's the great thing, Andy, like I celebrate this. Um, and even if this means that, you know, something like Callus goes away, that, that we raise the level and we raise the expectation in the, in the industry or in the category that then a lot of other movements started or conferences or events or gatherings or whatever you want to call them, they started popping up because we gave permission mm -hmm. to a lot of people to go, well, Callus can do that, so why can't I? And I think, I think, I think that's amazing. You know? So um, sometimes you work yourself out of a job if you're, yeah. if you're actually creating something that is, is stirring up a tribe. Yeah. What, one of the things that I think is uh, very evident in the way that you lead to is you're kind of pushing, you're, you love to promote other people and connect other people. And it, it's kind of fascinating to me to think about, you know, how many leaders came out of this movement, how many people now are big names that maybe their first time ever speaking at a conference was on the stage at Catalyst. And if we if we're real honest with ourselves, I think there's also kind of this like celebrity culture that has been created 
And I'm curious to know from your perspective, like, how do you how do you process that now, like where we are with kind of the evolution of church culture, church leaders and and kind of the rock star mentality versus like the, the guys that we know, like a Steve Stroop or Michael Fletcher, that they lead churches of, you know, 15,000 people or 10,000 people and nobody knows their name. Um, talk a little bit about that and like how you how you think about that and see that it, dynamic of conferences and movements. Yeah. First thing is that I always appreciated that Catalyst became the place that you could find a voice you didn't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that brand or that extension of our brand that I'm going to go hear somebody that I don't even know their name yet, but I will want to know their name. I loved that because we really did feel like we were we were like you know, finding the next wave of voices. And we really were intentional about that. Um, you know, whether it was a Scott Harrison before Charity Water was big or Blake Mikoski before Tom's got really popular or Malcolm Gladwell before everybody knew who Malcolm Gladwell was or, you know, just go down the list. And, um, and then on the other side, I feel like part of my responsibility and our responsibility as a brand was to make the really well-known voices feel very approachable. Mm-hmm. So if you take an Andy Stanley, just as an example, you know, nobody, well, a lot of people knew who Andy was even when we started Catalyst, but that was in many ways like his, his leadership outlet for the last 20 years plus, one of them. And, you know, after a while, Andy was a big deal. But part of our mindset, even with somebody like Andy was, was, well, let's make Andy seem really normal. Mm-hmm. And even the reason we did some videos we did, which were spoof videos and Trip and Tyler. You feel like a dad to me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and whether it was, you know, whether it was Andy or whether it was Craig Rochelle or whether, you know, fill in the blank. Like, we always wanted to, to create a, a feeling that we're on the same page. Like, we're, we're all, like, playing in the, in the same sandbox. And and nobody here is a big deal. You know, like we're, mm-hmm. we, we don't have to treat each other like you're a true rock star. And even when people would show up, um, this didn't happen a lot. But, you know, I felt like part of my responsibility was to make sure that our speakers and talent and entertainers, that they understood, listen, like there is a humble spirit mm-hmm. at Catalyst. So if you're walking in thinking you're all that, um, let me be the first to tell you you're not. Mm-hmm. And just that, I think the permission that we gave for to, to remove that sense that the stage was the ultimate, right? And that mm-hmm. the, the leader in the seat was now like second class. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, hopefully that came through. That was always very important to our team and be, because that's, it's also just a cultural thing. Like, right you know, we, we don't want to, we don't want to feel like we're, we're, if you want to, if you're going to try to create a community and connection and a, and a tribe and, and make people feel like they're, they're connected to something bigger than themselves, what they have to feel is they have to feel like they both have access to the, you know, whoever they is, the, you know, whoever's in Tribal charge. leaders. Yeah. Yeah. But they also have to feel like they're part of creating it. Mm-hmm. And even our language, you know, our language among our volunteers, 
um, there was hundreds of volunteers that would show up at Catalyst events throughout the year. And we would, we were very intentional with them. Hey, listen, you don't, you don't, you use possessive language. You don't use language. Like if somebody says, Hey, tell me about Catalyst. You tell them about Catalyst, like you're part of the team and you're full time. I don't care if you just showed up 10 minutes ago and you don't even know what Catalyst is. You act like you're sitting at the, at the head table. And, and that's, what that does is it automatically says to that person who walks up to the, you know, merchandise table in Gwinnett Arena, and they're like, man, that, the person who sold me my T-shirt, they were like as passionate about this Catalyst thing as, as Lominick is, you know, doing the announcements at, before we went to break. And that, just that sense that there's this spirit of possessive language, like this is our movement and this mm-hmm. is your movement and there's no they. There's no disconnect between you know, the one, those of us who are on staff and those of us who are attending. And, and yeah. this is such a big deal for churches, you know, like the, the, the churches that I think seem to be, seem to have a, a sense of momentum. One of the things you'll find is you'll find that, that the, the volunteer who is furthest away from the, you know, wherever the executive team gets together in terms of both distance and experience and wisdom and all that, but they still are carrying the weight yeah, of that of that house, like they're in charge. It's good, man. And I, uh, you know, when you think about this, applies not just to church leaders. This applies to gym owners, to entrepreneurs, Silicon Valley exactly. CEOs. Like this concept of the we in any industry, you can create that we mentality. And like you're saying, so much of it comes back to that language. Like, you know, we're we're in this. Anybody can own the culture. And you created you created that tribal mentality. And one thing that was very evident and is still evident about you, Brad, is that wherever you are, um, you're usually around a bunch of young leaders. And when I say young, now I'm thinking maybe mid twenties uh, who are yeah. like just starting out. Talk about that. Like that's your heart. That's that's like what you've been living for twenty plus years now. How have you continued? As you have gotten more mature, if I might say, um, how have you continued to to get around younger leaders and influence younger leaders? Yeah, well, thanks for saying that. I am mature now. I guess I'm, I guess I'm, you know, middle aged. I don't want to be, but I guess I, I guess I have to consider myself that. Um, I think I think the thing that I've learned is. If you want to know what the next generation is thinking, you better be hanging around them. And if you want to know what the next generation is wanting, you better be asking them. Mm-hmm. And if you want to know what the next generation is, um, is you know, challenged by, or I mean, fill in the blank. Like, you have to, you you have to be, um, you have to be really intentional about about trying to make sure that you build the bridge. And so many of us, when we get to a certain stage of life or age of life, or even, or even a, a level of influence in a, in a organization, we will start, we will stop asking or getting feedback from the people we need it from the most. Because sometimes what usually happens is that the, the, we start getting feedback from the people who can help us the most. Mm-hmm. or can or can help us get to the next level the most right 
So right. as a translator in my 40s right now, I want to both be able to understand what the next generation is thinking about, but also then be able to um, translate it to somebody who's 55 or 65 or 75. And that's what I really feel like the season is for me, is that I'm, sit, I'm sitting in between generations. Uh, so I want to know it, but I also want the generation that's, that's in front of me to know it. Yeah. Because when they hear it from me, you know, I, have a, I probably have a bit more um, street cred to be able to say, listen, let me help you understand what that 25-year-old is talking about. Because I just spent three days with about 50 of them. Right. And I know exactly what, you know, what, what, their, what their frustrations are. Um, you know, even the young influencers list, Andy, mm-hmm. that I've been doing for, which you've been on, by the way, shout out, shout out I'm, to Andy Wood. I'm about for, to transition off the young influencers list. I'm, you were, I'm aging you were on out. there early, man. You were on there way early. Um, but the reason I started doing that in 2008, so I'm now 13 years into it, is because it forced me to be intentional about going and finding young voices. Mm-hmm. It put a habit in place for me. And a lot of times I would feel like I don't have anybody to add to the list. I, I better get I better get the Google out and, you know, go to town for half a day and find some new voices that, because what, again, what that is, it's intentionality. Yeah. It's that, that I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do my part to actually leverage my platform to give opportunity to the next generation. And I could stand on it. You know, like I can stand on the platforms I build and I continue to build, but I would rather like somebody else stand on it. And especially yeah. like rather, rather somebody young stand on it. And if they pass me, that's a win. It's not a loss. If they pass me on the way to way more influence than I'll ever have. And I learned it from John Maxwell. I mean, at the end of the day, like, John is the ultimate empowerer because he, he did that to us at Catalyst in the early days. So when you see it modeled or it's done to you, you know what happens. It's parenting or it's, you know, it's mentoring, it's whatever. Like when, when you are the recipient of it, now you look around and go, well, I better do that. Mm-hmm. When I get to be in my 40s, the, the, the leader I was making fun of or we were making fun of, you know, in quotes, in the early days of Catalyst, I'm now that leader. So, you know, and I, I, I accept that. I mean, I embrace it. I love it. One of the things that I've seen in you many times that we've been together, we're, we're sitting around a table with a group of leaders who are young, you know, twenties, early thirties. Um, you're asking them a lot of questions. So we'll, you know, there'll be a topic going around and you might be the one that a lot of these guys are wanting to listen to, but then you flip the question back on them. And I, th- I think that that's one of those character traits for me personally, that when, you know, I was in my twenties, made me love catalyst that made me want to hang around because you felt like as a young leader, your voice was being heard. Mm. And it's not that, you know, every idea that I, I or younger leaders have is a great idea, but man, if, if you're picking up stuff of how younger leaders think it's changing the way that you see things and it's, I think it's a big challenge for any church. Churches or businesses can really get stuck in the decade that they're started in. And it's, it's an easy challenge even for, I feel for us as an organization, now we're 12 or 13 years in. And for me, you're one of those, you're a great example of that, of continuing to go young. The other thing, Brad, that I, I notice in you is this 
uh, concept of connecting. You're like probably one of the most connected leaders I've ever been around. And I'd love for you just briefly to talk about, I've heard you give the paradigm, the difference between connection and uh, networking. And talk a little bit about that. Like, what's the difference between being somebody who's a connector and somebody who's a networker? Yeah, so connecting versus networking. Good question. Um, the networker, and, and, and again, don't get caught on, on semantics of this because a lot of people, a lot of people hear this and they're like, well, Brad, are you throwing, a, you throwing a, you know, the idea of a network under the bus? No, not at all. But the difference is that the connector is all about others. A networker is all about them, right? I mean, a connector is abundance, mindset, generosity. Um, a, a, a networker is all about scarcity. They, they think if I lose, you win. And if I win, you lose. Yep. Um, a networker is the person that comes into the green room and everybody's like, oh, gosh, who let them in? Um, it, it's that person who we all run from if we see them at a restaurant. Because we know that they might know a lot of people, but we know that at the end of the day, like they want something from us mm-hmm. and they're going to figure out a way transactionally to probably get that or at least try. Mm-hmm. So a networker, you might give one chance. They get their one shot. A connector, man, you, when they come in the room, everybody, everybody like flocks to them. Um, people are like, I can't wait to talk to that person because they're a connector. Um, you know, the, the connector, when they call, somebody says, I will drop everything and make time for you. Mm-hmm. So this premise is just simply this, that if you're a connector, you, you have a perspective that says, that says, my goal is to, is to add value to people in such a way that I, at the, at the end of the day, I don't really care if I get anything out of it. Yeah. And here's the here's the powerful thing is you usually do <laughs> because you're gaining you're gaining equity with people. You're 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 gaining credibility with people. Um, mm-hmm. They remember you, you know, and and ultimately, you know, the definition of a catalyst is, you know, a, it, it's a change agent that creates some sort of spark mm-hmm. that leaves no residue of itself. And I just love that idea. And that's, that's a connector. You know, the connector is somebody who puts two things together that aren't focused on them and then watches that happen. And so I love when somebody will say to me, Brad, uh, thank, you know, thank you for introducing me to so-and-so two years ago because now we're writing a book together or we're working on a project or we, we merged our companies or, you know, we, we ended up like, um, you know, we ended up partnering together on that thing. It, that's, that's the power of a connector. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've, it doesn't, again, it doesn't mean that you can't, you can't ask for a transaction or you can't find ways occasionally when you need to be transactional. But here's the difference. A connector, if they need to be transactional or they need to like make an ask, they're very clear with that, right? They don't beat around the bush. It's not weird. You're not sure. A connector is, is just very clear, you know, like, for example, if a, somebody says, hey, I want to come pitch you an idea. So I'm going to I'm going to show up and I actually have an idea that I need. I want your I want you to look at. I want you to invest in. I want you to give money to whatever. But a connector is somebody who would actually tell people on the front side of that. They're, they're direct and they're clear with their intentions. 
Um, so you never get sideswiped or, or blindsided by a connector. But a networker, you're never sure. You know, mm-hmm. you're never sure what, what do they really want. Um, so That's think, of gold, that, man. Think, think of the people. Think of the people in your life right now who, who would fit in those two categories, right? Yeah. And are you, you know, where do you fit? Yeah. That's good, man. I think you need to write that book, Brad. I just don't know what to call it. I've thought about the, the start with who. Mm-hmm. You think that's a good title? Start with who? Yeah, I think so. I think if you, uh, you broke the who down, like, who are you? Who are you, you know, connecting with? Who are, you know, kind of facets of it? But I, I, I think you're one of the best at this. And you've, you've changed my mindset so many times on just watching you, like the different rooms that w- we've been in together. It's one of the things I've found for myself is if you, if you flip the script on that and change your mindset, it really does change the way you walk into a room. So you're, instead of walking into a room with a bunch of leaders, like a lot of the rooms we've been in together, I would say I'm kind of in terms of size and age and, you know, all that in terms of our church and all, I'm like in the middle, right? Yeah. So I could either walk into that room and say, who's ahead of me that I can try to get something from, or I can walk into the room and say, who, you know, who's here that's coming up that I can give something to? Yes. And and I have just found everything changes in my mind when I'm like, oh, I'm here. I'm actually here to give, not to get. And I'm a lot happier. I'm, I'm not playing the comparison game. I'm not quite as worried about what I'm wearing either. You know, it's funny. Like, you, all these little things that play into your mind, it's like, no, I, there's nobody here I need to impress. And there's going to be a number of people here that I can love and encourage. And, and you know, Stacy and I were in London with you. And that mindset led to a good number of friendships that we have now that we wouldn't have had if my mindset had been the flip on it. And I, I got it from you, man. So you got it from Maxwell and then I got it from you and it's, it's a game changer. Well, and I also got it from Peb Jackson. So Peb, Peb is the, the ultimate, in many ways, the ultimate connector. And, you know, he, he always, he always walked into any environment and thought, how can I add value to this person or these people in such a way that, that might, again, might even take the, it might even, it's going to take the attention off of me. Mm-hmm. And, and, but you still have power. That's the, that's the, that's the, the thing that is so hard for some people to grasp is, you know, when, when you put people together, they remember you. Um, and it's really powerful. So d- like you said, don't feel like you have to walk in, don't feel like you have to walk in now and like say the right thing or be wearing the right thing or, you know, have all your, have, have everything together. If you just walk in and think, how am I going to, how am I going to add value to people in here and connect two people together and asking questions? I'm telling you, like the curiosity factor and question asking is your, it is the ultimate shortcut hack Mm -hmm. to this idea. Yeah. Is as soon as you ask a good question in, a, in an environment, you know, as soon as you put the, put the attention back on somebody else, then you're elevating them, you're honoring them, you're, you're creating a memory moment for them, um, especially, if you, especially if you have a little bit of influence or, or street cred 
yep. you know, and, you, and you're actually modeling now like, oh, I'm, I'm more interested in what you have to say. Um, and that's, that's a lost art. It is. Yeah. It, it goes along with listening too, you know, so those are all things that I'm always working on. I, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, I, I'm really intentional about it though. It is, yeah. it is one of the things that I wake up thinking about constantly. And it plays into this last, we just got a couple of minutes left, but I want to finish with this, this last thing that you're doing now. Um, I love how you've branded your new podcast. It's the H3 Leadership Podcast. And you're, you're focused on this idea of not just connecting, but now curating. And I, I think one of your taglines you use in the podcast is uh, curating the best of leadership. You're the, you're the Google, you're the search engine for leadership. Um, talk about, number one, the, the concept of curation. And then secondly, what are you looking for when you're deciding, okay, I'm a connector and I'm not just connecting people, but now I'm connecting people to content. What are you looking for with that content that you're trying to pass on? Well, in some ways, I'm actually going back to what I said about Catalyst, you know, like I'm the customer of this. And, I'm, and I started really with the mindset of having a podcast that was more curation because mm-hmm. there's plenty of long-form interview podcasts. There, there's, there's not a lot of it, podcasts where I feel like somebody who, who is a filter like me and who's, who's fairly aware is now like taking something and saying, here, let me, let me pare it down for you and let me give you like a summary, you know, in some mm-hmm. ways or a, a, a best, you know, top 10 list or the things you need to be aware of. So um, I just, I looked around and realized of all the podcasts I listen to, there's not a lot of people doing that. And I think that's the beauty of invention is go find a niche that nobody's in yeah, and fill that niche, you know, especially related to the podcast. Um, I think the power of curation though is, is very, it's very much in vogue right now. And it's also really needed. And here's why, because there's so much out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, think of the thousands of podcasts and other resources and videos and websites that have free content. Where 20 years ago, when we started Catalyst, there was very, there was really nothing. Like right. if you wanted to listen to Andy Stanley or, or you know, John Maxwell or Erwin McManus, like you kind of had to go to one of those events. Now I can yep. get any of them anytime. And so now the power is in the person who says, I know there's lots of noise. Let me help you cut through it. Mm-hmm. So if you're cutting through the noise for people, you're winning and you're winning for them and you're winning for yourself. And so that's why I'm doing it, but it's, it's not just a podcast. It's now like, it's part of my thinking now. It's part of the way I view how I add value to people is let me do a lot of the research and then I'll give you my, uh, you know, my blinkest summary. It's good, man. And it's it's all there at the H3 Leadership Podcast. Brad Lominick, you can look it up. Uh, I highly encourage those of you who are listeners here on the Echo Leadership Podcast to check it out. Also check out his H3 Leadership book. It's a fantastic book for young leaders in their 20s, early 30s, thinking about how do I continue to become the kind of leader that other people want to follow? How do I get better? Uh, Brad, your, your fingerprints are all over Echo, all over my life and our family. Uh, you've been used by God in so many different ways to encourage me, uh, to help me get better. I, I love you. I'm grateful for you. And I'm really grateful to introduce you to our Echo Leadership Tribe uh, that you're helping us shape as well. 
and always excited for future times that we get to chat and talk together. Thanks so much for being with us today on the Echo Leadership Podcast. I loved it, man. Hey, listen, like I said earlier, anytime I can hang out with you, it's a win. And uh, I'm, I'm honored to be part of the Echo family. That, that's, that's, a, that's a badge and a, and, a, uh, and a hat or a sweatshirt or whatever merchandise I can put on that I'm honored to wear anytime. Thanks, man. It's been a great time being with you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I want to encourage you, if you've never read Brad's book, H3 Leadership, to pick that up. It will take a lot of the concepts that we talked about today deeper in your life. Again, thank you so much for being a part of this tribe. I know that we have people who are joining us, and this season of leadership has been a really hard season for so many leaders. Uh, It's continued to navigate COVID and the tension that we have in our nation here and all over the world. We believe that leadership makes a significant difference. Leaders are influencing companies. They're influencing generations. They're influencing families. There's so much that a leader can do. When a leader gets better, when a leader's passionate and fired up, it makes a difference on everything around them. And we want to continue to help you do that. So the best way for us to continue to help you is for us to stay connected. You can stay connected by subscribing, by liking, by sharing this content. Let's get the word out so we can help more leaders get better. And then if we can do anything to help you personally, we would love to do that. Just go to echo.church slash leadership podcast. You'll find more resources there. Again, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Echo Leadership Podcast.